there's only one snack that can make me feel like I'm having the true movie theater experience, and that's popcorn. When my mom and I hang in for a girl's night, we have to get our fix, and that's where Kelly's Killer Popcorn comes in. They're a small batch gourmet popcorn company, and believe me, one bite and you'll be hooked. Made in Austin, Texas, this family-owned business has tons of flavors. My mom loves their salted agave caramel, while I have a hard time picking between black pepper or dill pickle. Hmm, maybe I'll just mix the bags together. Oh, and when my dad and brother crash our girls' night, you know that spicy nacho popcorn is coming out. Every flavor is popped in 100% real butter and is whole grain and gluten-free. Which flavor will you be choosing? Head on over to kellyskillerpopcorn.com to indulge yourself in some scary good gourmet popcorn. And make sure to tag them on Instagram at kellyskillerpopcorn so that they can see what movie you're pairing with their flavors. That's kellyskillerpopcorn.com for American-made, small-batch, delicious popcorn. This is The Gala Show. I'm your reporter on the beat, Gala Avery. On this episode, you may know my guest as an award-winning music video director who has worked with influential acts such as TV on the Radio, Gnarls Barkley, Yaya Yaz, and Rihanna, the creative director of the immersive installation and encounter with Lux Prima at the Gagosian Marciano in Los Angeles, or as the filmmaker behind the feature-length documentary titled Shot, the psycho-spiritual mantra of rock all about the photographer that shaped our modern zeitgeist, Mick Rock. But here on The Gala Show, I know my guest as the director of The Seating, Barnaby Clay. Hi, Barnaby. Hi, Gala. How are you? I'm good. Happy to be here in my office. (laughs) In your office. (laughs) I am too. Which, by the way, has amazing posters, which we've already established are some of which are from Dave from Exotic Originals. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure elsewhere. He has an amazing The Devil's Poster, you guys. I'm so jealous of it. (laughs) Even he has a little VHS collection over in the corner. I do, yeah. That's like a small... Basically, I had a huge collection, and when I left England, I sadly had to get rid of most of them, and also a giant Laserdisc collection. Oh, I love Laserdisc. Yeah, and they all, uh, and of course, I got rid of them at the time when everything was like, worthless. And um, so I kind of just gave them all away. But what, what you're seeing there is mainly from the Warner Home Archive, which just like, for some reason, when we were collecting videos when we were a kid, like those were like the really, in England, like the really... The ones that we went for, you know, those were the really exciting finds when that when you'd see um, like those particular ones. But also in in there are some which are like I don't know. I, I grew up in the in the video nasty era. Oh yeah, um, the video nasty. And yeah. so some of those are like well, like Motel Hell. Is that a video nasty? No, I don't think that is. That's but so I think funny. I, uh, about I drink your blood. Um, zombie Holocaust. Of course. I, I, AKA Zombie Flesh Eaters. Oh, and Evil Dead 2. The only movie scarier than Evil Dead is Evil Dead 2. That's the tagline here in America. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure oh, if that was really? the same tagline in the UK. Which is so unscary, which is funny. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and just some of them are like just great movies. Like, you know, I can see Being There, Network. I love that movie. Day for Night. And of course, he has Busting, which we covered on Video Archives. I so have Busting. Yeah, busting. exactly. It's a, it's a kind of random collection there. I like it. Uh, my name is Nobody. Like, just like, it's, it's got a lot of uh, interesting titles, but um, those are my, my little cherries. That's what's left of kind of like a certain part of my youth. Of the collection. Yeah. So before we bring up the topic for today, I have a question for you. 
How did becoming a father change you as a creative? Um, I think two ways. I mean, just on a fundamental level, becoming a father, becoming a parent Mm -hmm. is just like, and this is kind of really boring, but at the same time, it's just so true and there's no avoiding it, is that just time management. You just (laughs) realize that you just like, you have so many hours in the day. If you're going to like write a movie you got to find those hours and you got to stick to those hours and you can't just like, there's no like, okay, I'll see you like, you know, a few hours later, unless you've got like amazing childcare or you've got like your wife or partner or whatever is like willing to just sit there and do all the work. You've got to like, you know, yeah, you gotta, you gotta work those hours. You got those five hours. You got to get busy <laughs> and sleep. I'm sure. And also. sleep like, as well. Yeah. Just- I mean, you know, he's eight, so it's like less about that, but then on a, on a, on a, I guess a more, let's say, existential level. I've spoken about this a few times in relation to my movie. Like my movie was kind of, the seeding was partially inspired by my wife's pregnancy and the idea of this child coming to my life, basically. And not just because it's not like some weird Rosemary's Baby situation, but more just on a level of like... I think when these things happen to you, i.e. like you have kids for the first time or you lose somebody very important in your life, you go mm-hmm. through death. Like when I lost my father, for example, like really like big, huge, the biggest, the biggest deals in life. When you go through that, um, it, you just go during that period, you kind of go into a bit of a heightened state and you start thinking about kind of things on a pretty large global level yeah cosmic universal level level, yeah yeah. you do and um and it's really interesting and you think about what's really important and what isn't and all these kind of things and i think that definitely seeped into the writing process when i was writing the seeding you know so um certainly it 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 helped there um it just opened my eyes on that level uh and then but other than that I don't know. Enjoy life. Enjoy your work. Like you know, make me <laughs> makes me very grateful that I'm able to do something that I love doing. You yeah. know, and I uh, hope that my son has the same situation. <laughs> he finds something like that that he just loves his passion. Yeah, I was really lucky because my my parents were both actors. You know, so I kind of like grew up in that situation, like you did with your father. Mm-hmm. Just like you're just kind of. It was like there around you. Yeah, you can't um, escape it. No, you That's can't. That's the thing when you people can't. ask me, like, why, like, why do you do what you do? And it's like, well, I, it's kind of just like in my blood. Yeah, I, yeah. I grew up with it yeah, everywhere. Absolutely. I grew up on set. I grew yeah. up on Rules of Attraction. I, Jay Barishal, I have photos of him, like, with me over his shoulder, like, running <laughs> around with me. I think my photo, we have like fake family photos with Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Like my mom, my brother, and I are his fake family oh, really? in the movie. Yeah, nice. And then we also have our real family photo from yeah. that day. Like my dad stepped uh, in instead. Amazing. So it's like it's just interwoven. Yeah, yeah. I remember like I think one of the like a great moment but also a really like sad moment in my youth was uh, my dad taking me. He didn't work on it, but like I think one of his like actor friends was in it, was in Doctor Who. He had a main, oh, wow, major yeah. role in Doctor Who. And he took me to see the TARDIS and it was just like, it was one of those moments where I was really young and there was this, there was the TARDIS, this telephone box and 
I walked in expecting to walk into the TARDIS and I walked into a telephone box with a black drape at the back. And I was just like, this is it. And in that moment, my whole like idea of everything just changed. I was just like, you know, yeah. It's when you realize like it was make believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, (laughs) when I was on the set of Silent Hill as a kid, when I learned that Pyramid Head was a ballerina. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm not that scared anymore. I learned. Yeah. Now, as always, my guest gets to bring their topic to the mic. Barnaby, why don't you tell us what your topic is and why you decided to choose it? Okay. Um, So, obviously, I mean, two of the most important things in my life are film, obviously. Um, And then the other big thing for me growing up was growing up with a autistic brother who's eight years older than me. Um, And he... You know, there's just no... I have a sister as well who's seven years older than me. But, like, when you grow up in that that family dynamic, there is just no escaping how that's going to shape you mm-hmm. as a person and uh, change the way your outlook on life and your view on everything. And I kind of wanted to talk about Lawrence. That's my brother. Um, you know, he's an artist and he's really interesting, but, you know, he lives in a in a assisted living house in England Mm -hmm. and, and, but, you know, I was like, how can I make that relevant today to to this conversation? And, um, I was just thinking about the films that we watched together when we grew up, which was, uh, really, I guess, you know, from, I grew up in the, the like age of, I remember getting the first like VHS player, you know, so, uh, uh, a good age to grow up in. Yeah. Great. You know, um, so we, you know, we, and we watched a lot of movies together and because my brother is the way he is, um, even as he got older, he tends to like a, a bit like a kid does rewatch things over and over and over and over again, you Mm -hmm. know, and even just bits of things, you know, obsessively. So, um, and it's just such a, it was a random mix of films that he chose, and I just wanted to talk about those. Yeah, but before we get into the topic, it's time for our commercial break. I might be vegetarian, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy a good spice rub. My favorite place to get them is Smoked Bros, a veteran-owned and operated business that sells premium handcrafted dry rubs, spice blends, and seasonings. Guys, you can even put it on your popcorn. My favorites are Honey Badger, because he doesn't give a bleep, and Jelly and Peanut Flavor Topping, because mm, 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 some things just taste better together. The website even has recipes, so go check out smokedbros.com to support a veteran-owned and operated business and fill your cabinet with delicious flavor. And we're back. So you heard it here. We are going to be talking about Lawrence and the movies that he showed Barnaby. I have 30 minutes on the clock and our time starts now okay so he has barnaby has written up kind of a list on this whiteboard of movies and also i'm sorry is that the prisoner at the bottom uh, the patrick is, mcgowan show no it's no. not the, it's, it's <laughs> that not. was like <laughs> i put that on because it's 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 something else we watched together it's a t- it's a tv show and yeah. that is 
prisoner cell block H. Okay, because at first I was like prisoner, and Patrick McGoon, I yeah. had to break that. Yeah, up. <laughs> which is awesome and amazing, but this you've probably never heard of. No, so tell me about it. But it's really interesting. So <laughs> somehow we both got into this, and also a lot of my friends got into this, male friends, which is so weird, like young boys watching this. Um, it is a Australian soap opera which started in 79 and went up to 86 mm -hmm. and it's set in a woman's prison and it's basically like a yeah it's like a you know a, it's like a, a woman's prison like women it's basically women in prison genre. yeah yes it's that so but it's like, like but kind not, of really cheap so it's not exploitation it's not but it it was just amazing. It's just like, for some reason, like, but it had all the characters you want from that. It had like the main character who was called B Smith and she was like really butch and, <laughs> and, and kind of like you rooted for her. She just wanted to like, you know, you just got behind her, you know? Yeah. And then there was like the wicked uh, warden who I think they all called vinegar tits, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they were all kind of brawny Aussie ladies. Yeah. And, uh, and they like, there was like one episode. I just thought it was kind of like revolutionary in a way because there was a lot of like, there was a lot of uh, gay sex mm -hmm. on it. There was a lot of, um, I remember the one episode where they did mushrooms, you know. And oh, they so it was like, like a really progressive show. It was progressive, yeah, in its weird kind of way. And uh, it was pretty, like it was very cheap. Like it was one of these like, walls wobbling mm -hmm. in the sets kind of vibe um but we were so invested and it's just imagine i mean this is like i started watching it when i was quite young but you know i was still watching it when we were like i don't know 17 or 18 just imagine mm -hmm. a group of like 17 year old dudes sitting around like so excited to watch this <laughs> this weird Aussie, Aussie women in yeah, prison show yeah it was so random but but anyway I, I used to watch this with Lawrence and um it was something that again he would get excited by he just liked I don't know a, a lot of these things films that I'm going to select uh, I don't really know exactly what appealed to him to him about them some of them make a lot more sense than others yeah uh, but with that it's just a combination of just like, I think it was just really fun mm -hmm. and uh, just seeing like kind of like that kind of bullies and people yeah. standing up for the for them and, you know, that kind of dynamic, just like he just got behind it like we all did. So the movies on your list seem to range from like 72, I think, to 87. I think that's kind of the latest that's one. That's right, yeah. Were you watching these on VHS with him or were you kind of watching these when they came out? Like how old were you? Uh... I was probably, this is probably from about, I'd say like, let's say nine or 10 to like, I don't know, 17, 18. So the, really your formative years of yeah. cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you I mean, I was watching lots of other movies Of course, as well. but these were like the ones that your brother decided to show these you. the ones that he was like, he would, if we would sit to watch a movie together, he would want to watch and he would want to watch over and over again. So which one, you said there's some that make more sense than others on this list. Which one <laughs> does not make any sense to you? Um, I mean, like Breaking Away, for example. Okay, that's okay. like a really interesting one. Peter Yates, 79. Fantastic movie, obviously, you know. Um, I can tell you why I love it, you yeah. know. Um, uh, again, it's just like you're rooting for these characters. They're underdogs. Uh, 
cutters. <laughs> I actually bought him a T-shirt recently. I found a T-shirt online which said cutters. And oh, really? Yeah, he was he was psyched to have that. But um, I think maybe again because of who he was, um, him being an underdog himself mm-hmm. in a way and an outsider. I think he identified with these kids. Yeah, um, with the outsiders. Yeah, 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 and I think. Um, that message of it and but yeah he was just like the the easy the easier ones are the ones where they have lots of action or something like that where he would just kind of like get more you know I could I he just want to watch the action or the yeah. humor or something like that but with with breaking away it just it just seemed a bit more nuanced and I'm not really like 100% why he was just and he was really into it like he must have watched it like a hundred times wow. or more yeah just like I mean obsessively watching these films you know and not sometimes not the whole film, just bits, the bits he liked, mm-hmm. you know. And he likes the bits like, I remember him liking the bits where I feel like, um, what's he called again? The Actually, Den- I haven't Dennis. seen it. Oh, you've never seen it? This is one of the ones I haven't oh seen. I told Barnaby beforehand, so I looked at this list, and there's a few I have seen. Oh. Like Man with a Golden yeah, Gun. Everyone yeah. knows I love <laughs> Nick Nat. He likes to watch. It's my yeah. favorite Bond henchman. <laughs> um, but like Breaking Away, I haven't seen. I've seen... Uh, I haven't. Okay, this is so embarrassing for people. I haven't seen Blues Brothers. You've never seen. I've the never Blues seen Brothers. Blues Brothers. Uh, I've never seen uh, Rita Sue and, uh, and uh, Clockwise. Okay, all so right. So those are the ones I haven't seen. On Clockwise, there. I'd expect you know, see, because it's such a like. I feel like that was such an like English film. Yeah. I don't really know whether it ever really came out here. Well, now I'm gonna have to search these ones down. Like, yeah. This is my excuse to watch yeah. Blues Brothers finally. Okay, so let's start with Man with the Golden Gun. That yeah. that. Um, we obviously watched, you know, in England growing up, we watched every Bond film. Mm-hmm. It was on TV Who's the whole time. Who's your favorite Bond? Roger Moore. Oh, that's mine too. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I, you know, again, good. <laughs> I grew up with him. You know, he, that's the thing. You grow up, you choose, I mean, you know, I, I could appreciate the uh, the sophistication and roughness of like Sean Connery. You know, yeah. the, the, the raw sexuality of him. But, like, I don't know. There's something about, like, Roger Moore in a safari suit. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, just delivering one of his silly lines, which is just so irresistible, you know. So um, so out of all the Bond, though, Man with the Golden Gun was the one you chose. He, for some reason, he loved that one. I, I really enjoyed it as well. I mean, obviously, it's got Christopher Lee in. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, immediately for me, that's just amazing. Uh and yeah, and it's got Hervé. My man Hervé. I yeah. love Hervé. And I love it. It was incredible. And it's got two great Bond girls. It's got Bridget. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. And also um, one of the greatest like fights between Bond and like the Bond, like the women henchmen, like oh, in that pool area. Oh, uh, yeah, yes, of course. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Bambi and Thumper. Bambi and Thumper. Is that, no. I, is that them? No, that's Am I thinking that's, that's, uh, Diamonds uh, Are Forever? Diamonds Are Forever. Okay, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I always, because yeah. I also love Diamonds Are yeah, Forever. Yeah, I love with, that one with, as well. Um, I love Crispin's those two dad. henchmen. Yeah, with with uh, Crispin's dad, Crispin yeah. Glover's dad. Oh my it's god, so great! Oh, yeah, he's one of the. Oh, he's one of, yes, I know yeah. exactly who he is. Oh my god, because he looks like him. Yeah. Holy shit! Oh my god, you just blow my mind. Wow, wow! I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's cool. So um, this was the bond of choice in your house. It was, and and Lawrence liked that. He liked. Oh, you know what he really liked? I remember he liked for some reason he liked that cop who was in who was in. He was Sheriff J.W. Pepper. And he was like in one of the other ones as <laughs> He's well. He's in like three or four of yeah, them. Yeah, he, he, kinda, he, he was in uh, 
like live and let die as well i yeah. think yeah he like pops up and i love yeah no and he's he's in a few of them it's like yeah. he's one of the reoccurring characters yeah, when you look online he's yeah. one of them lawrence really liked him he thought he was funny it's got some great stunts and stuff i think he also lawrence got some like weird kind of like kinks body kinks you know yeah. and i think he liked he liked Scaramanga's third nipple as well yeah. you know? <laughs> somehow that was kind of a, a well, that's just... like it, what, it, to me it's what elevates Bond yeah. it's not just like a real life movie yeah. it's kind of it, like all the villains and everything had like these like little quirks to them and they really yeah. stand out yeah, like with yeah. Jaws like with his big oh, Jaws yeah. he, and stuff Lor- in fact yeah Lawrence loved Jaws as well because yeah. he likes those he liked those villains and they always appealed to him uh, the bigger, the weirder, the better, yeah. actually. And there's one other on this list. If we're talking of villains, um, I'm going to jump down to Stir Crazy. Oh, Stir Crazy. Oh, my God. Sydney Good thing Poitier. my dad's not in this room because he was already whop, whop. Like whenever, when they go first go to prison yeah. and Gene Wilder yeah. realizes he, every time Stir Crazy gets brought up, my dad goes crazy for it. <laughs> yes. I love Stir Crazy. I love Stir Crazy as well. And uh, Lawrence loved Grossberger, you know, oh, that God. character. He loved him. He loved, you know, how... I feel like, you know, he's... My brother's, like, he... At a certain point, he he was, like, really skinny when he was growing up, when he was a kid, and then he, like, wanted to get big. Mm-hmm. And I feel like some of that was, like... like he wanted to be, like, Grossberger. Wow. Quite weird, but, like, uh, he was just, yeah. And so that... I mean, you know, he also... Uh, just adored Richard Pryor and, you know, and, yeah. and, and one of the greats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the pairing of those two in that is I just think, like... I think it's one of the, the greatest comedic pairings of I all think, time, to be I, honest. I, totally. Ha- 100%, 100%. Because in that weird situation, almost Richard Pryor has to play the straight man in yeah, a lot I know, of the scenes. I know. Which is so not Richard I know. Pryor. Yeah. So I, the fact that Gene Wilder's personality is just so much bigger I than know. you would expect. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the moment they first get into prison yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just incredible man anyway so um that i mean stir crazy was like pretty much on repeat for about like 10 years wow. in the house it was just always on and uh like every line just yeah i just remember it I just remember every scene of that um so that was fun um silent running I haven't seen that in forever. I've not seen it yeah. for a long, My long time. My dad showed that to me when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. And I barely—I remember the poster, and like that's it. Yeah, I just remember like I have a a very like warm, fond memory of it. It's mm-hmm. like one of the. Uh, although I kind of also remember this like this sadness in it as well. Yeah. it's like that's what know. I remember. I remember it's a mel- it's kind of melancholy. It is, yeah. It's this kind of like disillusionment with with kind of with authority and with you know it's very much in i mean it's what is it 72 so it's just coming off the back of the 60s -hmm. and that it was definitely like in that period of film which was really reflecting this like oh shit like things aren't so beautiful i'm Mm -hmm. not just like planting my beautiful garden and and that's it you know but um again lawrence he was like he got really obsessed by the robots huey and dewey wow um uh, and it's so funny because you see it now and it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a bit like Dark Star or something where yeah. you see it and you're like, it's like so basic. Well, there's a lot of like the kind of like 
science fiction of that time is like that like when i rewatched logan's run recently yeah it's like oh my god the set design is beautiful and everything is so beautiful in it but then you just see like the little train going by and it's just like a little like cardboard <laughs> train know. and it's awesome but it I is know. very simple like and dark star is like that and so is silent running yeah but it was there was something in the robots which just felt like even though you can see it's like two people in, in a suit in a suit like sort of stumbling around in their funny walk um making weird noises they were really lovable yeah. and uh and i mean you know obviously like you know that's so much to do with bruce dern and his performance yeah. and how he interacts with them and and uh um but yeah, that was again. It was just like some. Maybe that was one as well. That I was a little confused why it was so appealing to Lawrence. It might have been the robots, though. He seems like he likes, from what I've heard so far, like, yeah. likes characters. Yes. likes unique, likes kind of quirky. Yeah, likes something that stands out. Yeah, and I think he, you know, honestly, um, didn't have a lot of friends growing mm-hmm. up. Um, he still doesn't have a lot of friends, like close friends, and it's a hard thing for him to have. And I think. There was a part of him which uh, there still is a part of him who who liked the idea of of this companionship through robots. You know, mm-hmm. I remember him. He, <laughs> I remember my mum coming back from the sea. My my family. Uh, I had some family here in the states, and she used to come visit them. Um, and one day she came back from visiting my aunt in New York, and she had what she said was a robot and we were like really excited (laughs) and it was not a robot it was basically a kind of remote control like like car or something Mm -hmm. base with an inflatable robot on top of it (laughs) (laughs) she tried her best yeah but he was like so excited with this idea this robot in the house you know so i think that was something which actually was kind of which really drew to him yeah so um and christine too kind of has that technological yeah aspect yeah Christine, so again, this is like the underdog kid being picked on, got no friends at school. Um, I just, Lawrence always going on about this character, Cunningham, you know, mm-hmm. which is uh, his name in it. And, um, and yeah, and just the, it's the idea, because, you know, he's still my brother still talks about like the bullies in his school you know um and they weren't that bad or anything like that but it's just like they're just fixated these kind of like bogeymen Mm -hmm. in his in his mind that he's sort of fixated on them still and um and i think this idea the story of like a kid who is picked on and has a terrible time at school and then suddenly gets this car who goes out and just kills off all the bullies. And not only that, but it's also like, it's like a loving relationship that yeah. he has oh, with yeah. his car. Even if it's like an obsessive relationship, yeah. it's still one that like can't really be broken. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can see how powerful that would be, especially if it's like going to go and kill all those bad people that are terrible to you. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't really mind that sometimes. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think also it was just, there was an element in that of... Um, my like I just mentioned, my my aunt. He was very close to my aunt who lived in Coney Island, mm-hmm. and he used to go out and stay with her every year. And he was just a big, um, just lover of America and all things American. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I think the car, this like Very awesome car. like Cadillac Red. Thunderbird, you know, it was just beautiful car. That it's again this kind of yeah, he he loved that as well. So that was um uh then yeah. That's my dad's favorite movie, by the way, Clockwork Orange. Oh, really? Of all time. It's oh. my dad's favorite movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's pretty pretty high up there for me, I've got yeah. to say. You know, I just watched it again last last Christmas. I had yeah. last Christmas Day. Wow. I had COVID and I my family deserted me because I had COVID and <laughs> it was all looking kind of disastrous. But then I realized I was just like, oh, yeah, I can just sit and watch whatever watch, I want to watch. So you watch <laughs> Clockwork Orange. So I watched Clockwork Orange, which is a really like, on Christmas Day movie, but it was perfect and I enjoyed it so much. Um, but yeah, that's a, a weird one because I think, like, I, I, that was obviously, I think, a little later we watched that because I was maybe too young to watch it when I was 10. I was going to say, it might something. be the most violent movie on the list. Yeah, for uh, sure. And I've argued this so many times when I talk about A Clockwork Orange, but it's an anti-violence movie. Oh, it is. 100%. Yeah, it's like yeah. my favorite movie is Bugsy Malone. Uh, oh, wow. And my dad's yeah, is Clockwork okay. Orange, and they're both anti-violence yeah. films. And I always tell people, people misunderstand A Clockwork Orange for being a super violent like yeah. condoning violence? No, it's no, no. it's an anti-violent it's, I, movie. 100%. But yeah. it is the most violent film on this oh, list. It's <laughs> definitely violence in there. Interesting you bring up Bugsy Malone because like I had a weird relationship with that when I was oh, a yeah. kid. Yeah. Um I was a pretty like like extreme empath as a yeah. child. Very empathetic and uh big overwhelming imagination and I used to get really like concerned by certain things that happen to people in films but mm -hmm. also in real life like, like for example when I was at school I think I was about four or five mm -hmm. uh, after the the spring break we came back to school and one of the kids had gone skiing and broken his arm and oh, wow. they put his arm in a cast mm -hmm. And I just felt terrible for this kid and did not want to go. And I just didn't, I just felt so bad. I felt like it was just like, like. You could feel it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand. I was just like that it was something there to fix his arm, but it just, it would just look so awful. And yeah. anyway, um, so I didn't go to school for about like, I don't know. <laughs> I just refused to go to school. <laughs> this poor guy. Anyway, Bugsy Malone has this moment where. He's obviously the, the pie guns, oh, right? Oh, when they're testing the gun and it and hits it, knuckles? Yeah, and yeah. it's like all over him and it oh, kind God. of covers in him. And for some reason, this just gave me this weird, irrational fear. And I it terrified me. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's so that's, odd. That, no, but you know, that's a great reading because as my it's my favorite movie. So I like watch it like every birthday. Yeah. Like I have the laser disc of it. And I've never heard someone say that they were like terrified by a <laughs> moment know. in it. No, but it's I random. No, it's but it's really kind of important in a weird way. Yeah. That, wow, I've never even because that moment with Knuckles when Knuckles gets splurged yeah. is really sad. Like when yeah. he's like crying over him. Yeah. So yeah. I always, just thought, oh, he's, he's like he's like He's like mummified in there. Like they oh can't breathe. You know what's it's so wow. this poor this poor kid. You know. Wow. Um, also, just found it really weird actually watching that movie growing up. Well, it up. is really weird. I mean, like she's uh, playing a prostitute. Yeah, and she I plays know. a prostitute twice that year because taxi driver. Taxi driver. Yeah, exactly. And like there are children with babies in the movie. Like, yeah, calling out from the. It's a very strange movie. Uh, it is. It is brilliant. But like, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's 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 hard to get your head around at that age. Um, so Clockwork Orange was like something we watched together a lot. Um, 
that was I was like fully invested in that as well, obviously, like I just said. And um, I think what appealed to him was there's some like some random stuff that he liked. Like he really liked he like he liked the scene with the cat lady, you know, and it's uh-huh. a really like vicious scene, yeah. obviously, but. Um, uh, he he did just something just like it's kind of like perverse about this like him alex like picking up this penis sculpture and yeah. like ramming it's very it. ken russell yeah it, oh it's super ken russell yeah <laughs> absolutely and uh um and but you know it's also the combination of of uh the humor in it as well um that's the thing you, you you it's there throughout the movie that's what that's what makes it bearable as a movie mm-hmm. it's it's funny it's funny it's like the script is witty and um and Malcolm McDowell is just absolutely like brilliant the way he delivers everything mm-hmm. and um and also as are all the other characters yeah. you know who who come in there and and pass through it so and the other thing was I do remember growing up we had in my mum's my my parents' record collection. We had um, the Clockwork Orange soundtrack as well, which uh, is still to me like one of the greatest soundtracks. Did he listen to that soundtrack also over and over? He or? he. It was just there in our house, and I think mm. we heard it. And it's unusual. I'm not really sure why they had it because I don't think they like Clockwork Orange at all. <laughs> but like, I mean, my mum was showing me like she's like into like poetry, and she's showing me. Like Les Enfants du Paradis is her yeah. favorite film, you know. Like she just—I mean, she hasn't seen my film *The Seeding*, and she would never see it because she wouldn't get through the first two minutes of wow. it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, we did enjoy *The Clockwork Orange* a lot, and um, in all its kind of twisted fun. Also, I think the other thing he he really responded to is like. It's for, even though it's in this like weird future world, it's very English, you know. Yeah, it is. It's it's like it's got like Kubrick always like brought in these like crazy like Leonard Rossiter, these like very weird, funny English Super character British, actors. Yeah, yeah, and um, which just added this extra layer to them, which was just fantastic. Um, moving on to the Blues Brothers, John Landis, nineteen eighty. Um, bit more obvious. For him, he just was, like, obsessed by the car chases. The cars again, and also, like, the buddy aspect of it, Yeah, the buddy aspect, but I think it was just the mass destruction. Because there is no Ah. car chase which has as much... Destruction? Ridiculous, over-the-top destruction, and it is so (laughs) absurd. And then he likes, you know, the stuff with the kind of the neo-Nazis, like, all getting, like, like pushed off the bridge and don't like, we all like that though? oh yes we do yes of course we do yeah 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 and and also of course the music it's just like it was so fun mm-hmm. and and uh um but i think uh it was the more than anything the the kind of like cartoon levels of of i mean just like the end of it you yeah. know when he they eventually Reach Steven Spielberg, um, <laughs> uh, who's the, uh, what is he, like the tax collector or something? Yeah. Um, uh, and just, you know, the car just like falls apart. And, you know, that classic moment. But, um, okay. So, Cuckoo's Nest, that's not one flew that over. That is. Okay, it is one flew over yes. Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. One flew over Cuckoo's Nest. Um, 1975, Milos Forman. Um, so, 
I love Brad Dorif, by the way. Just oh, yeah. I have to, every time oh, it's brought course. up, I have to say, <laughs> my other crush, Brad Dorif. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, God, what a, like, supporting cast as well. I mean, you know, everybody goes on about Jack Nicholson, well, Louise Fletcher. Louise Fletcher. I, yeah. I also, yeah. I'm a huge yeah. Star Trek fan. So okay. Kai Wynn from yeah. DS9, Louise <laughs> okay. Fletcher. And then, of course, Brad Dorif as Suter and Voyager yeah. for his one episode arc. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Yeah. But then there's, like, Danny DeVito. <laughs> just random Danny and DeVito. Like Michael Berryman, who is the, who went on to do like The Hills of Eyes, and like uh, and and that other guy, I always forget his name. He was like in Ghost, and also one of my favorite films, Taking Off. I don't mm. really know Taking Off. Mm-mm. Also, Milos Forman. Okay. Oh, it's Milos Forman's first film in America. Taking Off. Okay, now I have to. I have to add you this have list. to see that. Okay, it's one of the most underseen, brilliantly funny comedies to come out of the of america in that period it is amazing it's like very funny um anyway cuckoo's nest um honestly i think it was just like the combination of seeing the you know lawrence when he was growing up he was he moved through different schools some some schools were regular schools where he'd be put in maybe a special class or something Mm -hmm. and some schools were more for kids with special needs. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a part of his kind of coping with who he is and the problems that he's had, he liked to um, kind of like, you know, for want of a better way of putting it, kind of like laugh at people who had worse problems than him. As a way of coping, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... um, you know, and I'm always or telling him. Or even relating, not even yeah, just relating. But sometimes it is laughing at them. You know, yeah. it is. And I'm telling, I tell him, I'm like, you can't, you shouldn't judge these people just because you feel like they are worse off than you. You know, but like, that's his thing. That's you know his prerogative. But he, um, but again, it's just it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some like crazy people doing crazy stuff. Oh yeah, and also you know Jack Nicholson just. Being, Jack you know, he's the, he's he's the supposedly the sane one in there, but he's like, and he loved this idea of like when he, yeah, when he like takes them out for the day and takes them on the boat and like, it's just such a beautiful scene for one, and um, uh, and I think I could see Lawrence and some of his compatriots, yeah, yeah. being in that situation <laughs> and being this ragtag gang of weirdos but like having a lot of fun and you know i think he liked that 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 aspect to it and he also really liked again talking about the the kind of bogeyman mm-hmm. you know he really responded to her to louise fletcher yeah. and, and her like there um you know he because lawrence used to talk about this the wicked dairy lady at school. He had some. Woman. Well, there's Louise Fletcher, the wicked dairy exactly, lady. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he, so he saw that and he was just like, um, of course, it's got like the most bittersweet, sad yeah. ending, but it's bittersweet. Again, melancholy, kind of like breaking away. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. there is a little bit of, and I mean, silent running yeah. is the melancholy one. Exactly. It's kind of Again, a little bit of that going through that. That 70s period, they were, yeah. they were into that. Yeah. Uh, then we move on to Stir Crazy, which we kind of done. But what yeah. about Rita Sue and Bob too? Because okay. I have never seen this movie. Okay. I've actually do never you, even heard of this movie. Do you know who Alan Clark is? 
Yes. Okay, so he was like, he's a, he's very influential. I mean, like, I think, like, Harmony Corinne and Gus Van Sant all were pretty obsessed by him. He is a British filmmaker from the 80s who did a lot of very, like, tough, kind of gritty street movies, like, urban movies. He also, you know, um, and... He also famously, he, he, he really kind of pushed Steadicam to an extreme mm-hmm. as well. There's one movie which is called Elephant, which mm-hmm. was actually obviously where Gus Van Sant got Elephant yes. from. And it's all about the IRA and it just follows essentially a IRA hitman, you know, wow. and it follows one after the other, but it's kind of silent. It's like, I think it's like, you can find it online because it's, it's a short film. It's like... Oh, Maybe like I can't remember half an hour or forty oh, wow. minutes. Oh okay, yeah. Um, but his films are just intense, and they are, um, yeah, they are gritty. They are intense. Scum. Do you know scum? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now yeah. I know. Now I know where yeah. we are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I'm the fucking daddy, you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> I know exactly where we yeah, are now. Yeah, So <laughs> So maybe, okay, Clockwork Orange and Rita Sue and Bob 2 no, kind of go together? No, no, they don't. Because the thing is, is like Rita Sue and Bob 2 is a comedy. Right? Oh, okay. He went and he made this kind of like Mike Lee style, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really his style. Um, but it is, uh, I guess, akin to like the, the more like comedic uh, Mike Lee movies. It's very British. It's set in a uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, what, where is it set though? It's set in a in a housing estate in um, in the north of England, and it is uh, just follows like it's just pretty un PC now, but it's like it follows like a teacher who's probably like in his maybe like late thirties, like forty, like having a fling with two girls who are like in their late teens basically mm. two girls together okay and, not apart <laughs> but not not apart and i mean literally like jumping in the car one has a go jump out the car the other goes in but it's is very funny it's very british and it's very uh um it's also like you know it's just brilliantly well made yeah. yeah i know the timer went off but you only have one movie left on the list okay. and we brought up clockwise and that was like you were, you said that's the one movie you probably haven't heard of so yeah. i have to ask about <laughs> okay. clockwise before we wrap up well it's it's again really british movie um lawrence was the other thing we watched on the tv front like endlessly which like every kid in England at this, t- at this time was was Faulty Towers. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Faulty Towers. Yeah, okay. oh, I had a, my drama teacher showed me Faulty Towers. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's just you know it's classic and it's brilliant comedy and John Cleese at his finest, you know. Mm-hmm. And so this is John Cleese. Okay. And uh, it's directed by Christopher Morahan. It's from 1986 and. I don't know this director. I don't really know any. Well, I don't really know much of the other casts in it, and he. But it's it's a John Cleese movie, and it is John Cleese just doing. It's one of those films where it's basically he's a, he's a. I think he's a principal of a school, and he's called to give a lecture somewhere else, mm-hmm. and he has to get there. And it's one of these things where like everything goes wrong, and he has to get. And he's just like. And he's obsessed by time. That's why it's called Clockwise. And oh. they're always like the clock is ticking down and he's got to get there and everything goes wrong. 
and you know it's just watching John Cleese just like tripping up falling over like sweating so John Cleese at his best yeah just doing what he does best <laughs> like you know beating his car with a with a with a, a branch or whatever it is you know on the side of a road like classic so again very British movie but like something that from that period was just I think people really responded to it and certainly Lawrence did and that is all the time that we have for today but Barnaby is there any final thought that you would like to share with the audience Oh, final thoughts. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, it's been really interesting talking about this, I should say, because, like, you know, I, I talk about film a lot to people, mm -hmm. and I talk about my brother a lot to people as well, but uh, it's very rare that, that the two intersect. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that, that's been really interesting. Um, what else would I like to talk No, I don't that's know. You're, I like, don't you're know. like Larry. You're like, I'm done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I just I, you know it's been it's been super fun and um, uh, I should I talk about my film? Or? Yeah, you definitely you can if you'd like to. Okay, all bring right, it up. Bring all up right. The scene, so, which I had a chance to watch, by the way. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Very woman in the dunes esque. It I'm is. Throw that in there. Yes. I haven't actually seen the movie. I read the book though. Oh, so. you did. Okay, great. That's it's a fantastic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of. Uh, Kobayabe, who, yeah. who wrote the book and um, and the film, which is amazing, and certainly the uh, the seed of the idea did come from that. Just yeah. like the idea of, uh, I was like searching for when I was writing it. I was searching for some. I just wanted an idea which was contained, and obviously there's just like such a fantastic, um, I you know, concept to keep somebody in one place. Yeah. Uh, I needed something like that because I didn't knew I wasn't going to have much money and I wanted to retain some level of control when I did it. And um, and so that was certainly my starting point was Woman of the Dunes. Um, absolutely, 100%. I, but I, at the same time, I, I love that movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of almost like a perfect movie yeah. and I would never want to like remake it. Yeah, just um, take inspiration from Draw inspiration. And I, I do believe like where I took it Two is a very different oh, place. Oh, it's completely different. Yes, um, it just kind of like I just hand handily borrowed the setup. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, but yeah. Anyway, it's coming out this week on Friday. Yeah, I'm very which excited. Which is very excited. And also, I saw, I think on Instagram, you had a Polaroid up that said that you shot from October 18th to November 6th, 2021. Is yeah. that? Okay, I just want to like reiterate for the audience. That's like about a three-week shoot. Yeah. People don't realize how difficult a three-week <laughs> shoot is. Um, I've been on seven-week shoots that like literally I thought I was going to die while yeah. I was on them. Um, that's a monumental task. If you talk to directors, like when I talk to Joe Lynch... Eli Roth, my dad, mm. and you talk about how difficult it is to shoot something in such a short amount of time with so little money. It is amazing. The, the quality of your movie for the budget and the shoot, It's I was shocked that it was a three-week shoot, mm. to be honest. Yeah. I think it was over-the-moon fantastic for a three-week shoot. Thank you. I was yeah. so surprised. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it was like You're impossible <laughs> nightmare hell that I went through. <laughs> Uh, and you know, I do look at it in those terms sometimes. In in my, in my darkest moments, I look at it and I'm just like, "Wow, 
for considering, you know. Oh, definitely consider. I'm and also like, children outdoors. Uh, stunts, like all sorts <laughs> oh of God. stuff. I mean, you know, and the thing, that's the funny thing is like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm writing this story and I'm like, yeah, this is great. It's contained. I've got like essentially two main characters. You know, I'm in this one spot. I'm not going to be moving around too much. And then you're suddenly standing there and you're like in a canyon in Utah, like thousands of miles away from anywhere <laughs> and any help and you're like rigging a bunch of like young children to trees <laughs> up on a ridge and and having to build a, a road just to get to your location you're like oh my god okay this is not so easy it's when you know you're making a movie isn't yeah you're like oh my god yeah i did a um it was funny i did um the night before staying in this motel and the night before the first day of shoot i just wanted to watch something to get myself you know set in the mindset and i'm not sure whether i chose the best thing i i i was like just i guess surfing through criterion channel and uh there was some random german featurette from like the i think early 80s mm -hmm. on herzog it's an oh. interview on you know interview with him uh, for like German TV or yeah. something like that. And, um, oh wow, you chose to watch a Herzog interview. <laughs> and I watched that and it was great. And I was just like, yeah, this is perfect, you know. And then I guess like three days later, I was just thinking, oh yeah, that really set the tone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, like him eating his shoe. Yeah. I'm like, why, why don't I just choose something which kind of like <laughs> would just give me some vibes, the easy vibes, the, the, the nice, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but, um, well, Thank you, Barnaby, for coming on the show. If you'd like to keep up with Barnaby, you can do so on Instagram at Out of the Ether. And be sure to check out his new movie, The Seating, which will be both streaming and in select theaters starting January 26th in the United States and Canada. And of course, for my UK listeners, the film is set to digitally drop on February 12th. Perfect. I'm Gala Avery, and this has been The Gala Show. The Gala Show is brought to you by Insertomatic. This episode was executive produced by Roger Avery and produced by Gala Avery. Music composed by Andy Milburn. As always, I'm your host, Gala Avery. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Despite me sharing the same last name with this charity, I don't have any affiliation with it, besides the fact the issue is very near and dear to my heart. Did you know that in the United States, 2.7 million children currently have a parent in prison, and it's estimated that 10 million children have experienced parental incarceration at some point in their lives? I was one of these kids, and as an adult, I am really grateful to be able to give back to Project Avery. Their mission is to build leadership from within by supporting community through programs such as mentoring and outdoor education, and also to remove the stigma surrounding having a parent that's incarcerated. You don't have to feel alone. If you know a kid who could use these resources or would like to donate money or time to the charity, please go to Project Avery, that's A-V-A-R-Y dot org, to check out what this amazing charity is all about. Again, that's Project Avery dot org. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart.